0: It's episode 179 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and we have local sports for you. First up, find out week one football scores in Ohio and week two football scores in Indiana. Plus, the Reds making some moves at the deadline, an extension for our Cincinnati Bengal, FC Cincinnati after the MLS's back tournament, and more with an update about the Dayton flight as well. If it's local sports, it's here on episode 179. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen This is a weekly audio podcast that covers all sports in Dayton and Cincinnati, Ohio, and the surrounding areas. From Northern Kentucky and the Ohio River up to Lima in Allen County. From Richmond, Indiana and the surrounding Whitewater Valley region, to Madison County and surrounding areas. If you want local sports, this is your source. To find your favorite way of listening to this podcast, as well as visiting the Tea Public and Redbubble shops and find the latest episodes, please visit syndaypod.com. This opening theme was created with the Splash app. And now it's time for another episode with your host... Lee W. Mowen. Yes, week one football scores. It's great to utter those words and it's great to bring you local sports again on the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. You know, just the other night after my first broadcast and first game working in sports since March, listening to WMOH covering all the Butler County final scores, and they did a very good job. It's nice to hear local sports on radio. It's just too bad we don't have it in Dayton. But I mentioned there's football scores to be had, so let us go in to football scores. We'll start off with the Ohio scores. As you might have heard on the poll I ran on Sunday Pod's Twitter account, there's going to be Columbus area scores as well. Now, why would I do such a thing when Cincinnati and Dayton already have a plethora of schools to cover? Well, I figured most of the area schools have to go by a Columbus team some point, whether it be for the state title game like Elder did last year. They fell just short to Pickerington North. Or, you know, maybe it's early on in the playoffs. and Maybe in a non-COVID corrupted world, there's non-conference games against the Columbus teams. I just figured it would add a little bit more and we can talk a little bit more about local sports. So that is Southwest Ohio, Cincinnati, Dayton area. There is East Indiana, East Central Indiana with Richmond and the Whitewater Valley region. And we're also adding Southeastern Indiana as well. So we got a lot of scores and a I guess some time to cover them. What am I on a time limit? Week 1 scores in Ohio look like this. We start off with the Cross County Conference. This is the last year for CCC to exist. Most of these schools are going to head to the Western Ohio Athletic Conference. A few of them are forming the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. So we start off with Miami East 7, Twin Valley South 6. A very close win for the Vikings in Cast Town. We have Fort Laramie defeating Tri-County North 42 to nothing. National Trail picks up one of two Preble County school wins as they shut out Mississinawa Valley 37-0. And Sonia, 40, Bradford, 6. Covington wins over Bethel 28-2. And the Saturday night affair for Tri-Village as the Patriots pick up a 50-19 win over their dark county foes, the Arcanum Trojans. Onwards to the Southwestern Buckeye League. They're losing a few teams after this season. Preble Shawnee and Dixie heading to the Woowak, the previously mentioned WOWAC. Brookville defeats Eaton 14 to seven. Valley View rolls over Oakwood 48 to seven. Franklin shuts out Monroe 17 nothing. Preble Shawnee picks up the second win for Preble County Schools out of the five. Two pickup wins week one. It's Preble Shani 19 and Middletown Madison 12. Carlisle 28, Dixie 7. Milton Union rolls over Northridge 39-12. And Bellbrook, they shut out Waynesville 48-0 on the Thursday night football game, which happened on a Friday night. I don't know why they didn't just say it's Friday night football. That was on Fox 45. And Bellbrook comes up big. In the Miami Valley League, we start off with a crushing win for the Yellow Jackets of Sydney. They shut out the Greenville Green Wave, 56-0. You have Stebbins, 28, West Carrollton, 25, Tippecanoe, 30, Vandalia, Butler, 13. Fairborn edges out Xenia, 21-16, the Battle of Green County. And this battle, the Miami County Battle, which is one of the oldest in the state, and normally happens in Week 10. Well, it's happening week one this year, and Piqua wins it over Troy, 26-10. We move on to the Greater Western Ohio Conference. Eight schools in the G-Walk now. A few years ago, it was 20. Now it's eight. Miamisburg rolls over Beaver Creek, 37-8. And what should be the Battle of Kettering, when turned into the Battle of Far Hills, or the Battle of 48. Centerville edges is out Fairmont in Kettering, 21-20. Northmont, with a last-second touchdown, defeats Springboro, 40-36. And Springfield defeats Wayne, 21-14. To the Central Buckeye Conference we go as Bell Fountain shuts out Indian Lake, 20-0. Jonathan Alder, 16, North Union, 7. London, 28, Benjamin Logan, 13. Springfield Shawnee, big winners over Urbana, 40-3. Tecumseh, 42, Northwestern, 0. And Graham defeats Kenton Ridge 34-7. We move up towards the Lima area with the Northwest Central Conference. It's Lima Perry 24 and Marion Elgin 8. Riverside rolls over Crestline 53-7. Lehman Catholic 22, Ridgemont 12. Lehman Catholic joining the Three Rivers Athletic Conference next year. We have Waynesville Goshen 35, Hardin Norvin 7. And Upper Scioto Valley 27, Ridgedale 6. In the Western Buckeye Conference, Salina 14, Wapakoneta 10, St. Mary's 27, Lima Bath 7, Ottawa Glandor 48, Defiance 13, Kenton 25, Lima Shawnee 14, and Van Wert scores the most out of the Western Buckeye League. They defeat Elida 55-20. In the Midwest Athletic Conference, a couple of shutouts and a Saturday game. We'll start with the Saturday tilt first. As Delpho St. John's, nine points better than Parkway in a 29-20 win. Marion Local 23, Fort Recovery 14, Versailles 34, Anna 14. And the pair of shutouts involve Coldwater defeating St. Henry 21-0 and New Bremen shutting out Minster 20-0. We move back down south towards the Ohio Heritage Conference. We have West Jefferson defeating and Plains via shutout 42-0. Northeastern flies over Cedarville 48-7. West Liberty Salem 36, Greenview 21, Fairbanks rolls over the Irish's Springfield Catholic Central 50-6, Mechanicsburg 41, Green and 7, and Triad 34, Southeastern 6. And now we head on to Cincinnati with the Greater Catholic League as LaSalle Best elder at the pit, 53-52, and two overtimes. In the Cincinnati Hills League, there's a big storyline as Wyoming picks up a 21-0 win over Redding. For Wyoming, that's their 30th straight Cincinnati Hills League win, and that's very impressive for the Cowboys. Elsewhere in the CHL, Marymont 30, Taylor 19, Indian Hill 42, Deer Park 0, and Madeira 56, Finneytown 13. In the Greater Miami Conference, we'll talk a little bit more about this game as Princeton defeats Hamilton on the road, 33-28. Another big storyline, this one probably the biggest in Cincinnati, as Lakota West snaps Colerain's 83-game GMC winning streak. And it's also the first time that Colerain has been shut out since, according to what I read on Yappy, the late 80s, early 90s, pre carry Combs era. So, yeah, long streak snapped. By Lakota West, Coach Bolden gets revenge on his old team, and he remains undefeated at CHS as Lakota West defeats the Cardinals 10-0. Elsewhere, Sycamore, a last-action touchdown, defeats Lakota East 34-31 and Mason 24, Fairfield 12. In the Eastern Cincinnati Conference, Anderson survives the dogfight with Little Miami in a 50-40 win over the Panthers. Lebanon, their first game in the ECC. They defeat West Claremont 21-13. And Turpin, they had a regular season 10-0 record last year. They continue the roll as they take down the Loveland Tigers 30-0. If you're wondering about the Kings Knights, they did not play as they had a player test positive for COVID. However, Kings will play in Week 2 on a Saturday. And... Forgetting who they play. Little Miami on the other side. I think that's who they were supposed to play. Little Miami this week will host Painesville-Riverside. In case you'd like to know how far that is, about 250 miles. Yeah, that's a hike. So that's your ECC action. Now to the Severn Buckeye Athletic and Academic Conference with Wilmington shutting out East Clinton 21 nothing. Batavia 22, Williamsburg 9, New Richmond Roars to a 27-18 win over Bethel Tate, Blanchester 41, Goshen 27, and Western Brown 62, Hillsborough 6. No conference games in the Southwest Ohio Conference, however, there are non-conference tilts for all six of those schools. More on that later. In the Miami Valley Conference, Roger Bacon continues to roll, Corey Kiner the... Running back heading to LSU continues to look impressive and sharp as the Spartans defeat Purcell Marion 34-0. Norwood picks up a big 32-26 win over Lachlan and the Panthers. A Saturday afternoon affair as Cincinnati College Prep defeats St. Bernard 26-22. And a shout-out win for Cincinnati Country Day. They defeat Miami Valley Christian 41-0. And now we move on to Central Ohio. You truly had to do a lot of research on conferences and schools and everything. And like I mentioned, I think it adds something to the podcast. So we'll do it this year and probably in years going on. It wouldn't be fair just to do it for the COVID season. Then we're back to regular football action maybe next year. I will say right off the bat, no Columbus City League action. They started to get ready for fall sports the day after the first football Friday. So no Columbus City League this week. Central Catholic League, there's an overtime win for St. Francis de Sales over Bishop Watterson, 28-22. In the knox morrow Athletic Conference, covering Knox and Morrow counties, Centerberg shuts out Danville, 41-0. East Knox wins over Fredericktown 34 7, and Northmore picks up a non conference win over Grandview Heights 34 0. Now, in the Licking County League, a non conference tilt for you as Waverly defeats Granville in the Aces 36 35. Waverly, they're one of the teams that often compete for a playoff spot in Region 4, Division 16, along with Valley View, Clinton Massey, and I think Wyoming's still in the mix. Licking Heights, 31. Zanesville, 27. Licking Valley, 35. Watkins Memorial, 3. To the Cardinals side of the Licking County League. An overtime Saturday win for Johnstown Monroe. The Johnnies take down Newark Catholic, 13-10. Lakewood, 34. Northridge, 20. Not the same Dayton in Northridge. This is, I believe, the Northridge Vikings. Could be wrong on that, but more on that later. And Heath, 60. Utica, 6. To the Mid-Ohio Athletic Conference, an on-conference final as Lucas defeats Clearfork, 18-14. River Valley edges out Galleon, 20-19. In the Battle of Marion, it's Pleasant, 42, Harding, 28. And Shelby defeats Ontario, 28-14, on a Saturday. To one of the two big leagues in the Columbus area, the Mid-State League, and another Saturday final, Amanda Clearclique, 35, Fairfield Union, 7. Non-conference tilt on a Friday as Circleville falls to Miami Trace 42-2. Bloom Carroll shuts out the Rangers of Hamilton Township 10-0. In Taze Valley 31, Logan Elm 25. From the Buckeye Division of the Mid-State League to the Cardinal now, as Byrne Union shuts out Fisher Catholic 44-0. Non-conference win for Fairfield Christian Academy. They roll over Green 39-8. Saturday final for Miller, they defeat Bishop Rosecrans 40-6. And Worthington Christian, 42, Grove City Christian, 8. In the Ohio Division of the MSL, Liberty Union defeats Bishop Reedy, 7-6. Columbus Academy, shutout out winners over Whitehall Yearling, 38-0. And Harvest Prep, 56, Buckeye Valley, 25. Now to the Ohio Capital Conference. They have a lot of schools, the OCC do. In fact, four divisions. We'll start with the Buckeye as Grove City edges out Central Crossing, 7-6. Reynoldsburg picks up a 48-14 win over Gahanna Lincoln. Pickerington Central defeats Pickerington North. I believe that score was... Actually, we'll come back to that. I forgot to put it on my wonderful sheet of finals. That's nice. To the Capital Division of the OCC. Big Walnut 14, Delaware Hay 6. Westerville South 42, Dublin Scioto 28. Westerville North 14, Franklin Heights 0. And Worthington Kilborn, 33, Canal Winchester, 14, in the Cardinal Division. Dublin Kaufman defeats their foes in Dublin Jerome, 41-6. A Thursday night affair to kick off the football season. Hilliard Davidson defeats Hilliard Darby, 17-13. Olin and is out Olin Tangi Orange, 7-3. Which I never knew that Olin Tangi Orange. I talk about their hockey jerseys because they are great. Their football jerseys make them look like the Florida Gators. I like pointing out stuff like that. Olin Tangy Liberty 35, Olin Tangy Berlin 21, Marysville 17, Hilliard Bradley 0, and a non conference tilt as Thomas Worlington defeats Newark 30 0. In the Ohio division, the OCC, as we're rounding home with Columbus scores, New Albany 20, Lancaster 13, Westerville Central 28, and Upper Arlington 28. 23, Groveport, Mass in 38, Westland 0, and still loading on the Pickerington score, but I can tell you, Pickerington North were the winners in that game. We have a lot of non-conference games as well to talk about. They will be mentioned last during this year, just because there aren't a lot of non-conference games to be had this season. Most conferences decide only conference play, and that's it. And Most of them were conference games, like I mentioned. Pickerington Central defeated Pickerington North 35-9. Good thing I looked that up because I thought it was like 29-5 or something like that. But that's why I checked. Non-conference games, the interesting story with Winton Woods taking on Edgewood. Well, maybe back in the Fort Ancient Valley Conference days you'd see that matchup, but that's not a thing anymore and hasn't been a thing for quite some time. Winton Woods was supposed to take on Kings in their ECC opener. And Edgewood was supposed to take on Fenwick. Didn't happen. Fenwick didn't play. Neither did Kings. So Winton Woods went to Edgewood. And they pick up a 34-0 win. The Warriors do in Trenton. Chaminade Julian defends home Turf at Roger Glass. They defeat Harrison 21-17. Clinton Massey 42. Alter 32. Normally, Alter's got the Battle of Kettering for Week 1. But taking on Clinton Massey. Now that's a good... Test for playoffs because you often see the Falcons and the alternates in the playoffs. So it's a game in the non-conference slate that I quite enjoy getting updates for. I hope you picked the Rams on this one because Hamilton Bain defeats Ross 41-7. Talawanda 26, Carroll 6, Troy Christian 42, Dayton Christian 6. McNicholas 10 points better over Northwest 31-21. Brownsburg, Indiana defeats St. Xavier on ESPN 2 in overtime, 30-24 to in the Hoosier State. Fayetteville, 55, Manchester, 6. Moeller, they start the Mark Elder era off the right foot with a 34-17 win at Bishop Hartley. Claremont, Northeastern, 32, Summit Country Day, 0. Cincinnati Hills, Christian Academy, 42, Landmark Christian, 20. Toledo Central Catholic 55, Lima Senior 0, Lima Central Catholic 46, Van Buren 7, Milford defeats Oak Hills 28-24. I had a score stream final of Dome Prep 8, North College Hills 0. However, the Cincinnati Public Schools is still yet to play fall sports. In fact, they had a meeting about it, but then they decided they will talk about it September 14th. So still no sports for CPS. Although I did read somewhere that Dayton Public Schools have been given the green light to go for fall. So that'll be nice to see those five schools get ready to go. Those five schools, of course, are Belmont, Ponix Tech, Dunbar, Meadowdale, and Thurgood Marshall. Stivers is the sixth, but the Tigers do not carry football. And plus, Stivers is looking at major, major cuts their way, which is a shame. But, you know, hopefully there'll be some good, not for the cuts, but hopefully there'll be something good where the cuts aren't needed for Stivers. So definitely hoping on that account. And to close up Ohio scores, Lawrenceburg, Indiana defeats Mount Healthy 14-7. We move on to the Hoosier States. We start off with the North Central Conference, that'd be the Richmond Red Devils, and they fell in their first game to Mount Vernon 56-13 in a non-conference tilt. Remember, Richmond was supposed to be at Connersville for week one. That got pushed back to Saturday afternoon last week, and then it got canceled the next day. So the Red Devils start the year 0-1. We move on to the Tri-Eastern Conference. The Centerville Bulldogs 2-0 as they take a bite out of the Hagerstown Tigers, 56-0. Winchester falls short to Franklin County, 50-7. And Tri romps over Northeastern, 46-0. In the Eastern Indiana Athletic Conference, we have Batesville 42, Milan 34, Covenant 68, Rushville 6, bishop Shattar 10, East Central 0, overtime win for South Dearborn, they defeat Masson 32-26, and Triton Central 20, Greensburg 3. In the Mid-American, I did that again on this third take, the Mid-Indiana Football Conference, North Decatur 58, Edinburgh 8. And that's all the Indiana scores, and that's all the scores, because Northern Kentucky won't start playing football until September the 11th, so next week. And, yeah, it just seemed like Indiana didn't have a lot of scores to give. My normal source is John Harrell's Indiana High School football scores. That's a wonderful page. It's like Joe Idle, but for Indiana. And, yeah, that's all the scores I could find. And that's week one for Ohio and week two for Indiana high school football. So let's roll up to Princeton at Hamilton. That's the game I had on ESB Media. And it was so great to be back broadcasting. We were set at the 50-yard line, the Bill Mola Press Box at Virgil M. Schwarm Stadium in Hamilton, home of the Big Blue. We had a very nice seat, and we were witness to a very fun game. Princeton, they led late. Hamilton took a one-point lead later. And then the Vikings score with 16 seconds left. It's Thomas Boyd rushing in his second of the quarter. And the Vikings take it 33-28. This week, Princeton has Sycamore. And again, I'll be live on ESP Media. I'll share the link on social media if you care to join me. We'll be at Vikings Stadium for the first time in 2020. And for myself, it's my first game at Princeton since high school. That was my last high school football game that I went to. It was Valley View versus Monroe. I think it was a regional final game, but I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> I knew Monroe had a beast of a running back, and the Hornets just they were unstoppable throughout that whole thing. So, But yeah, uh, Princeton back in the day, they were one of the first schools to have a video board, So, which anymore, that seems fairly commonplace in Southwest Ohio if you have a video board. Which is okay if you don't. That's not the point of this statement. It's just, back in the day, it was very rare, and Princeton had one of them. So, very excited to do my second Princeton game. According to my boss, Rob Ebel, at ESP Media, uh, people at Princeton enjoyed it. So, that makes me extremely happy, and makes me want to work even harder. So, yeah, join me for that game. Uh, That game was... um, Mackay Lins first as a starting quarterback threw two picks in the first half, but settled down nicely. Lamont Jackson was his favorite target. He threw him for two scores and I think 93 yards. This is all going off memory, although I have the box score in front of me. I really should just look at the box score on this. If I'm right, I'm going to be ecstatic. 96 yards. What did I say? 93, 98, something like that. But two scores, so I was right. Also through to Rodney Harris Jr. for 31 yards on three catches. D'Angelo Foster chipped in 37 yards on two. And Ari Turner had one catch for 27 yards and one score. That was the, the hook and ladder play, which I forget who the middleman was to toss it to Turner. And Turner just ran into the end zone. That was the last touchdown of the first half. And then I think I called it the look and hatter play. Because, you know, I'm me, I guess. No, I just messed up the letters. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. And like I mentioned, it's great to have sports back. It's great to broadcast in Cincinnati. I also want to throw out a big thank you to Scott Springer of The Enquirer, As he mentioned, several places to get your fill in for high school football. Because, of course, if you're not directly connected with any of the players, then odds are you're not getting in. And it's sad, but look at it this way. It's either that or we don't have football at all with COVID. So there's a lot of platforms out there that carry sports. And that's one thing I like to talk about before the break is, well, you know me with ESP Media and broadcasting football. That's, you know, it's fantastic. But there's also other platforms out there as well. Other schools have Bought their own gear to stream. I know Twin Valley South has done that, and they stream it for free on the Facebook page, which, have you ever thought that Facebook would be the place to watch sports or Twitter or anything like that? I don't think I would have 10 years ago, but there we go. Also YouTube as well. Who thought that that'd be a place for streaming sports? But there it is. So yeah, I mean, I don't have all of them right off the top of my head, but I can tell you. If you look hard enough, you will find a way to catch a game. And uh, there's a lot of high schools in the area. There's a lot of platforms, a lot of ways to catch games. ScoreStream, of course, it's a free app for Android or Apple. You can follow the final scores there, or the scores there, depending on if someone's there to update them, of course. I normally try to, so if you follow Princeton... I'm normally the one updating on ScoreStream 2. But yeah, there's there's a way. There's always ways to catch your games. And yes, it might be tough not being able to catch the games live and in person. But remember, there's good people out there that are doing good work to cover Ohio high school football. And Indiana high school football, too. And I assume Kentucky is not going to be any different once they start next Friday. So yeah. Final scores. Should mention about Hamilton too. Um, Hamilton, they were led by Quincy Sims Marshall. He threw 431 yards, a touchdown, no picks. Mackay Land, his first game with Princeton, the junior threw 191 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, 11 for 23, and also very mobile outside the pocket. He ran for 44 yards on 15 carries. Thomas Boyd was the leading rusher for Princeton, 122 yards, two scores on 17 rushes. On the other side, Caleb Johnson, 17 carries, 72 yards, two scores. Keyshawn Stevens, which is the big one-two punch the running back Hamilton have. Stevens went nine rushes, 51 yards, no scores. Darian Bowling had uh, three catches, 115 yards, and a 70-yard touchdown. So, definitely a lot of fun to get back into football. Again, Princeton hosts Sycamore, which since 2008, Sycamore has won all but one of those games. And since 2014, Princeton hasn't scored over 14 over the Aviators. So, that's going to be really interesting to see tomorrow as we're recording this Thursday. We'll step aside. We'll tell you a little bit about the Red Bubble and Tea Public shops, along with the sale coming up for T Public. This is the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. we got Reds, Bengals, FC Cincinnati, and the crew, and more after this breather. Hey, folks, do you like stickers? Sure you do. What about masks, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, throw pillows, backpacks, and even wall clocks? If you like any of those things check out redbubble.com. You can search for the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast and click on either the main or alternative logo, or you can visit my press kit at theleadwmallon.com podcast and click on either podcasting logo from there. You can choose anything you might need from Redbubble's massive selection. Like I mentioned, there are tons of options and a very good showing of new phone cases you might need. Every purchase you make from these stores on Redbubble comes back and helps out yours truly. I myself have purchased a sticker or two from Redbubble, and they are very good quality. The more stickers you buy, the more of a discount you can get. So what are you waiting for? Shop the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast goods from Redbubble. Redbubble. Listeners, you can buy the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast merchandise. Thanks to T Public. You have a strong choice of variety from t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies, coffee mugs, phone cases, magnets, stickers, notebooks, totes and even more. T Public also holds frequent sales too where you can save up to 35% off on just about everything. Visit the slash podcast then click on the blue Shop My Store T Public button. A portion of each sale helps out the podcast. What are you waiting for? Wear the gear supporting the local Sunday Sports podcast thanks to T Public. Again, visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast. Then click on the blue Shop My Store at Tee Public" button. Tee Public. So a couple things. First with the Tee Public sale for September. There's a sale every week. And i like to tell you about that. The entire store with $13 t-shirts and things up to 35% off. Well, the next sale is September 5th. Fifth through the seventh, that's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and also September sixteenth through the eighteenth, a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and September twenty-eighth through the thirtieth to close out the month, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Everything but tees will be on sale September tenth through the twelfth and September twenty-second through the twenty-fourth. You can get twenty-dollar phone cases, fifteen-dollar totes, seven-dollar art prints, and a lot more. Everything is on sale at T Public and. Both logos are now up on the T Public shop. That's right. I actually got the alternative logo to proper size, and they accepted it. So you can get the old logo, which was made by Chad Hollingsworth, the current primary logo, which was made by me, and the current alternative logo, which was made by me, but it's not as good as the primary logo. Let's be real. But there's sales going on, and the next one is September 5th through the 7th. And like I mentioned, every purchase that you make from Tee Public does go back to help the broadcaster. And speaking of shops, Redbubble, that's where I get most of my stickers. I bought 20 stickers. 10 alternative logos and 10 primary logos. If you would like a sticker, DM Cindy Pod and say, hey... I want a sticker or something like that. Then you gotta send me your address, and then I'll mail them out. And hopefully, you get them pretty quick. I got 20 again, 10 of each logo. So if you like a sticker, DM me on Sunday Pod, and I will probably send you a sticker. So there we go, and tell people about this podcast. So let's talk about the Cincinnati Reds. They made a couple moves before the deadline. Four o'clock went, and a couple minutes later, after that Monday four o'clock deadline, the Reds made some moves, which means they made them before the deadline, but they just trickled in. So what are those moves? Well, I'm glad you asked, because these moves keep the Reds competitive. So the first one is from the Los Angeles Angels of Los Angeles. The Reds acquire outfielder and left-handed batter Brian Goodwin, who For left-handed pitcher, Packy Naughton, and a player to be named later or cash considerations. And the Reds, from the Arizona Diamondbacks, acquire their closer and right-handed pitcher, Archie Bradley. For infielder, Josh Van Meter, and outfielder, Stuart Fairchild. So these are the big moves. The Reds also made a move before the deadline, I think it was a couple days before, where the Reds acquire right-handed pitcher, Riley O'Brien for the Tampa Bay Rays in exchange for left-handed pitcher Cody Reed after being designated for assignment. With that Reed trade that means there's only one piece of the Cueto trade remaining with the Reds, and that's Brandon Finnegan. So, I mean, that trade looked good, but five years later, just having one piece and really none of the three pieces helped the Reds at all. So, let's see what O'Brien can do. With Cincinnati, he's a right-handed pitcher, and I believe he's a bullpen guy from the Rays. Left-handed batter Brian Goodwin and Archie Bradley, they were activated just a couple days ago, according to the transaction wire on MLB.com. They were activated two days ago, September the 1st. Also, the Reds sent left-hander Jose Salvador to the Los Angeles Angels, so I believe that's the player to be named later, and Jesse Winker's back. He served his one-game suspension against the Chicago Cubs. Well, he got suspended for his actions against the Chicago Cubs, but let's not talk about that. The Reds are still waiting on Nick Senzel to return. It sounds like Senzel will be back with the Reds before the end of the season, end of the month, so that is good. Let me tell you about the Reds. They're off today, Thursday the 3rd. But they're on the road until Monday the 14th. And in case you're wondering how many games that is. Well, in terms of game days, that's nine. Ten games in those nine days with an off day Monday the 7th. Four at Pittsburgh, three at the Cubs, and three at St. Louis. Which this year has been absolute kryptonite. And actually, for episode 179, I recorded it Tuesday and as... Really looking forward to seeing what Goodwin and Archie Bradley can do. And I decided to get rid of the footage when I saw the St. Louis Cardinals just smash on the Reds. And Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray couldn't even escape the first inning. It was bad. It was 16-2, that final score. But the Reds did salvage and avoid the sweep in the hands of the cards. Joey Votto walks it off. I know I've mentioned, at least I think I've mentioned in this podcast, that I still don't see Joey Votto as a good leadoff hitter, but looking at the stats, he's he's getting up there. I mean, he's not doing too bad. And I like Joey Votto. I mean, yes, he's getting up there in age, and his contract is huge, but at the same time, and you can also make the argument that the Reds wasted Votto's youth and prime, but we'll go on that in another day. But... Yeah, I mean, if this Reds team can hit, the starting pitching's there. I mean, and the bullpen strengthens up, I, I don't see why the Reds can't get in the playoffs. By the way, I mentioned the Reds are back home September 14th. Well, there will be three more series at home. You'll have four games against Pittsburgh. One of those days, a doubleheader. Three against the Chicago White Sox, who, last time I checked, leading the AL Central and three against the Milwaukee Brewers before closing the season out on the road at the Minnesota Twins. Now look at the standings. If I can find standings, why isn't there just a big button saying standings? That would be pretty great. But I'm not seeing those, so I can tell you the Reds are still in fourth place, not in last place. But. The Reds are about two and a half back of the wild card. Here's some standings. Those are nice. Six and a half back of first. 16 and 21. Five games under five hundred. I mentioned season is winding down this month. And the Reds are on the road for 10 games starting tomorrow. 16-21. That's four and a half up on last place Pittsburgh. Two back of the wild card spot. And currently, one and a half back of third place Milwaukee. Right now, in the NL Central, the Cubs, 22 14. They got the NL Central secure. They're four games up on St. Louis, who're starting to pick some, picking a good time to roar into action. Milwaukee, two games under 500, 17 19. The Reds, 5 5 in their last 10. They've scored 146 runs, given up 174 which that negative 28 in the run differential category is not last place. It would be the middle of the road. Cubs plus 20, Cards plus 19, Milwaukee negative 36, Pittsburgh negative 52. Reds are 8-11 and in Cincinnati, 8-10 elsewhere, which it's normally not that even in terms of road and away record. In case you're wondering who's leading the other divisions in the NL and AL, Atlanta leads the NL East at 22-14. Los Angeles Dodgers leading the NL West and Major League Baseball at 28 and 10, and 8 and 2 in their last 10. Now the Dodgers can keep this up through the playoffs. I think. You now, what's stopping them from getting the World Series ring? In the American League, Tampa Bay leads the AL East by four and a half over the Yankees, 26 and 12. In the AL Central, Cleveland is back on top. They are a game up on the White Sox. It was two days ago. It's funny how sports work. And Oakland, my uh, athletics in the AOS, 22-12, my favorite color scheme, especially when they have those Kelly Green jerseys, they're 2.5 up on the Houston Astros. And that's your look. Actually, is there a way to look at wildcard? Looks like there isn't, but there's postseason standings. Ooh. And it opens up a new tab. So... In case you don't know, there are more teams that are going to be making the playoffs, and the Reds are, what did I say, two back. They have the San Francisco Giants and Milwaukee Brewers to leapfrog over, and it's Dodgers, Cubs, Braves, Padres, Phillies, Cardinals, Marlins, and Rockies for the Wildcard spots are the eight teams making it in the NL. In the AO it's Rays, A's, Indians, White Sox, Astros, Yankees, Twins, and Blue Jays. Wildcard teams are Miami, Colorado, Minnesota, and Toronto slash Buffalo. Blue Jays are nineteen sixteen. It's nice to see that farm system turn out something quite nice. Los Angeles Angels are twelve and twenty-five. I did not realize that. Man, it's been a pretty big downfall. For Mike Trout and the Angels over there in the West. Pittsburgh has the least amount of wins at 10-24. and 24. They're 1-1 against Cincinnati. Nationals 12-22. and 22. Wow. But, yeah, that's your postseason standings as of September 3rd. Actually, the conclusion is September 2nd's games. But Reds, they're in shouting distance. But they're really going to need to pick up the pace. They're really going to need to start pulling together... Good winning streaks, and, you know, two games under 500 on the road, that's not bad. I mean, still 18 games is not a deep sample, but at the same time, I think the Reds can still do it. Pick up a quality left-handed bat in Goodwin, and Archie Bradley, who I saw with the Silver Hawks of South Bend, that's before South Bend, went to the Chicago Cubs organization. They were with the Arizona Diamondbacks for a good length of time. Actually, for that, they were with the Chicago White Sox, too. So that's pretty funny on that. They were the White Sox, then the Silver Hawks, now the Cubs. Silver Hawks, I think, meant a lot more to South Bend in terms of name, just because there was a Pontiac Silver Hawk car manufactured in South Bend, Indiana, once upon a time. And actually, their alternative jersey, which I saw once, had that car emblem on there in dark green jerseys. I mean, I miss it when, you know minor league teams aren't just named for their parent clubs, but that's just me. So yeah, Archie Bradley, Brian Goodwin, welcome to Cincinnati, and let's turn the ship around and get to the playoffs. And Jesse Winker is back. Again, the Reds off today, but they are heading to Pittsburgh tomorrow. That first game, Trevor Williams pitched for Pittsburgh. Pretty lights out, and the Pirates offense put together a nice string of runs. I think it was Di on the mound. Discalfani, not Discof... or whatever I just said. But I believe it was Discofani on the mound. So we'll see how it goes tomorrow for Cincinnati. Let's see if I can find out who is scheduled to pitch tomorrow. I can tell you the Cubs are on top of the Pirates right now. one nothing, bottom second. But this is a Cincinnati Dayton sports podcast. We talk about local sports on here. Can I also mention, why is Luis Castillo and 5 410 ERA. It has not been his year. I, I thought he was still doing quite well, but 0 5, that's tough. He'll be opposed by Steven Brott, who's 0 1 and an ERA of 4. Castillo has struck out 52. Brault, Brault has struck out 14. So this is going to be very interesting. The Pirates lineup versus Castillo, Lifetime. Your best batting average, well, it's Colin Moran. He is. 6 of 12 for 500. Eric Gonzalez is 1 of 2. So that's your highest batting averages. Adam Frazier, 231. Josh Bell, 188 in 16 appearances versus Castillo. Kevin Newman is 2 of 6. Gregory Polanco, 0 for 3. Brian Reynolds, 0 for 6. JT Riddle, 0 for 6. That's all the Pirates have faced Castillo. Now... Cincinnati batters against Brolt. The numbers look like this. Castellanos, 167. You have 200 from Kirk Casale out of five at-bats, so that's one of five. Tucker Barnhart's a little bit better at 250. Freddie Galvis, two, or excuse me, three. No, that'd be two of three. I was right with two RBIs. Mike Bustakas, 313. Eugenio Suarez is 273. Joey Votto, 300. Jesse Winker is 0 for 5. Matt Davidson's 0-for-1. Shogo Akiyama, yet to face him. Kyle Farmer, yet to face him. Jose Garcia, Brian Goodwin, yet to face him. So it'll be interesting to see. Brawls hasn't faced the Reds this year. He struck out five. Pitched wild, but endured three long innings. 68 pitches in Milwaukee. That's a little bit tough. That's one average of... 23 or 22.6 repeating, something like that. So yeah, if the Reds are going to make it to the playoffs, their time starts now. And what would the offseason look like if the Reds don't make the playoffs? (laughs) Do you want me to answer that? I mean, really, you gotta I don't know what you do with the offense, because I thought the offseason signings were great. But you know, that's why you Play the game and not just go off paper, because then you know everyone say, you know that's a World Series win there. But there we go. And now we move on from baseball in Cincinnati to football in Cincinnati. There's a Bengal that got an extension, and he's going to remain a Bengal for the next five years. Joe Mixon gets his contract extension. He's coming in with one year left on his rookie deal. And he's got a four-year, forty-eight million dollar extension, so he'll be in Cincinnati for the next five years. Now the first thing I read after I shared it on Twitter, thanks to the fine folks, is that ProFootballtalk.com PFT. I don't know why I'm looking it up, but yeah. Someone mentioned, you know, about his event, which put him in hot water. Yeah, definitely do not encourage that. Definitely do not support that in any means, but Mixon hasn't done that since he arrived in Cincinnati. In fact, I believe he stayed clean and clear away from the law. So, you know, he grew up. He learned about it. Unlike a running back that's uh, beaten up some people and gone away with it. Um, (coughs) Zeke, (coughs) sorry, there's something in my throat. Anyway, like I mentioned, people have the ability to grow and change and learn from their mistakes, and so far, Joe Mixon has done that. So he's a far fewer pro as Joe Mixon. Second-round draft picked out of the University of Oklahoma back in 2017. 44 career games, 35 starts, 2,931 yards on 693 carries, 17 touchdowns, and through the air, four receiving touchdowns on 870 yards on 108 catches. Mixon topped 100 rushing yards, 1,000, excuse me. It's good that he topped 100 rushing yards, but Mixon actually topped 1,000 rushing yards in each of the last two seasons, making him one of the only five Bengals ever to hit that mark in multiple seasons. And he's in good company. Corey Dillon, Cedric Benson, James Brooks, and Rudy Johnson. That's a name I haven't thought about in a while. There was a Rudy Johnson, a Chad Johnson. I think there was a third Johnson on the team at that point. Mixon enters 2020 with nine career 100-yard rushing performances and 16 games with at least 100 yards from scrimmage. He's going to be one of the highest-paid running backs in the NFL, and I definitely think it's worth the money because when Mixon has a solid offensive line to work with, he's dangerous out there. And definitely an exciting running back definitely going to be part of the core. The Bengals succeed this year. Of course, Joe Burrow, his rookie year. I think things are looking up in Cincinnati. Playoff spot? Uh, I like to say yes on a wild card, but I don't know. It's going to be exciting. We're excited we got this done with Joe, said Bengals head coach Zach Taylor. He's been a valuable weapon for our offense and team. Joe provides great energy, not only on the field, but in the building as well. And we're ready to move forward as we prepare for the Chargers of Los Angeles. That's week one. Can you believe week one is just... Was it 10 days away? Something like that. And this is from Bengals.com. And there's no Arthur on it. That's uh, the press release. So, definitely excited. I think Joe Mixon is a solid piece. And definitely worthy of the RB1 tag for Cincinnati. And like I said... If the Bengals are going to have any chance, I think it starts with the O-line and the defense staying strong. And I think Burrow will be fine. I mean, with the confidence he's had and just meshing in with the Bengals right off the top. I mean, good things are going to happen. Someone also mentioned that the first-round curse of the Bengals. Remember Jonah Williams from last year? Yeah, I worry about that with Burrow. But... uh, we don't talk about that except I just did. But yeah, extension for Joe Mixon and the Bengals looking ready to go. And I will tell you that is Sunday, September 13th at 4:05 in Cincinnati. If you like to watch it, it's on CBS. It's also on the radio, Cincinnati 700 WLW, ESPN 1530, got it 102.7 WEBN, in Dayton it's on 104.7. And yeah, it'll be from Paul Brown Stadium. No fans this time, so get your radio, get your TVs going, and watch the game from there. And then week two will bring the first Battle of Ohio in Cleveland as the Bengals visit the Browns from First Energy Stadium. It's still weird to see First Energy Stadium. I know that's been like that for a while, but it was always Cleveland Brown Stadium. You know, CBS for short. And Paul Brown Stadium, short for PBS. But I digress. Week 4 is the next home game for the Bengals, and it's against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who recently weighed and watched Leonard Fournette jump to a fellow in-state foe in Tampa Bay. So it'll be very interesting to see. And like I said, I think the Bengals are due for a good year. Wow, Balve, Ohio ends week seven in Cincinnati as Cleveland visits the Bengals on October 25th. I Normally mean, it's like a week 14 or something like that. At least it was last year. So yeah, Bengals. And now we talk from the Iron to the football field in FC Cincinnati. I mentioned FC Cincinnati out of the MLS's back tournament. They are 0-1 and 3. If you don't know your soccer record terms, that's one loss and three draws. Three ties. The FC Cincinnati, which pops up on score stream all the time as the orange and blue, which I don't know why, that's just hilarious to me. Normally soccer teams have different names than that, but you know, I guess FC Cincinnati is orange and blue. O-1 and three. The only loss was at the Chicago Fire FC. In a game where the Fire scored in the second minute and didn't look back after that. Since then, that loss, FC Cincinnati has drew against the Columbus Crew and the Chicago Fire last night at home. Yeah, I think Coach Stamm is doing a great job. I mean, that defense looks pretty unbreakable for most of the times. But where is the offense? Did we leave that in Florida? The offense... Just, ugh. And the next game will be in Columbus this Sunday. That's a night game, a Sunday night game. Hmm. But definitely going to see if I can catch that. FC Cincinnati has two more matches on the year. So, what does the standings look like for FC Cincinnati? I should mention in the nothing nothing draw at home for the second Hell is Real. Derby match in the season. FC Cincinnati held strong. Columbus, I think their their occupancy rate, which I know it's not called that, it was about uh, two thirds possession rate. Occupancy. I don't know why I said that, but there you go. Like I said, I think FC Cincinnati. I think you know a couple more pieces for the defense and put some offense on it. You got yourself quite a nice team. And I honestly think that FC Cincinnati can turn the corner very, very shortly. So let's look at MOS standings, if I can. Again, a big button that says standings would certainly be nice, but I'm not seeing that here. Maybe it's under shop. No, it's not under shop. Stop that. Yeah, just two matches left, and they're both away from Cincinnati. This whole year's been crazy. Crazy. Oh, if you go to mossoccer.com, there's a big standing button there. I will happily tell you, Columbus Crew, they lead the Eastern Division. And with a 6-1-2 record, again, six wins, one loss, and two draws. They've scored 13, allowed 11, a plus two, which that's not bad. Your highest, though, is Orlando. Actually, it's... Nope, I'm wrong. It is plus 11. <laughs> I looked in the wrong thing. Columbus Crew has only given up two goals. Why did I think it was the other way around? I, I mixed up goals allowed and goal differential. I don't know why. Plus 11 for Columbus Crew. That is the top. Looking towards FC Cincinnati. They're right underneath the 10-team line at 2-4-3. and three. They got a negative 6 goal differential, which that is tied with the lowest with the Chicago Fire. But still, I mean, leaps and marks better than last season. It's just, you know, it's too bad that the offense isn't clicking at the moment. In case you're wondering, in the East, who's trailing the crew? Well, by two points, it's Toronto FC. By five points, Orlando City SC, followed by Philadelphia. They fell to the crew last night to give Columbus... First place again, Montreal, New York City FC, which handed the crew their only loss thus far. New York Red Bulls, New England, Atlanta, D.C., United, FC Cincinnati, Nashville, Chicago Fire, and Inter-Miami. Inter-Miami has only played four matches. In the West, it's Sporting Kansas City, Seattle Sounders, L.A. Football Club, Minnesota United FC, L.A. Galaxy, Portland Timbers, Royale, Salt Lake, FC Dallas, Houston, Dynamo, Colorado, San Jose, and Vancouver. By the way, your lowest goal differential is negative 9. It's with the Whitecaps FC in Canada. So, one more Hill is Real Derby. It's in Columbus, and like I mentioned, it's Sunday night. Hard to believe that the season's wrapping up for MOS. Normally, it goes another full month, which be October, but... We're living in the days of COVID, so definitely there's a lot of things to bounce around. And now we move from Cincinnati and Columbus to Dayton as the Dayton Flight. They are part of the Basketball League, and Brandon Harper had an update to share. He's mentioning that anyone wanting to try out for year two of the flight, they need their waivers. And he's really looking forward to what he can do. He mentioned that the things that fell short in the first year, he took all that responsibility, which is nice to see. He wants this product to succeed in Dayton, and definitely I want to see it succeed in Dayton as well. So definitely it's nice to see basketball starting to ramp up a little bit in Dayton. So definitely there's that YouTube video, Go Like the Dayton Flight. And last up in episode 179, there's a new prospect league in town. Not our town, another town. In Johnstown, Pennsylvania, there will be a new foe for Champion City in the Kings and the Chillicothe Paints. The name yet to be determined, but they will probably be in the Eastern Division since normally the line is Indiana or so. Actually, that's not true. It's about Illinois because Danville's in the Eastern Division as well. So, yes, that's the second new team coming into the Prospect League, which is a collegiate summer league and I was really looking forward to my first year with the Kings. Didn't happen. So hopefully 2021 does happen. So Prospect League adding Johnstown, Pennsylvania. They had a, a press release or press conference on Facebook Live. And they mentioned it. The press release is dated for September 1st. And this Johnstown, Pennsylvania team will be at Sargent Stadium at the point. You know, I thought Johnstown already had a Prospect League team. But I'm thinking... Thinking of Jamestown, New York, so that's not it. Johnstown, you might know them from, you know, Slapshot. Who owns the Chiefs? Uh, that's a different sport though. But it'll be nice to see Johnstown get into baseball, and they'll be the 14th member of the Prospect League and joining the 13th member of the Prospect League and the Alton River Dragons out of Illinois. They picked River Dragons out of Eagles and three other names I can't remember off the top of my head. I was hoping they'd go for the Alton Browns, you know, from Good Eats. You know, get his okay on that. You can have, like, Good Eats-themed jerseys and everything. I would dig that. Actually, you probably have the best menu in the prospect league, hands down. But I can dream of that, and it's not happening. But there you go, 14 teams. So it should be seven teams in each division. And if I can find the standings, I'll tell you the split – so, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, that's a little bit east of Pittsburgh, it looks like. You have Chillicoffee, West Virginia, Beckley, West Virginia, which is in the southern part of the state. Champion City and Springfield. You have Lafayette and the Aviators. They had some recent news. They're going back to their original ballpark after all the remodeling's done, which is nice. Terre Haute has Rex Baseball, Wal-Bush's, Walbush Valley Zone. DuPage County in Illinois, normal. The Cornbelters, former Frontier League team. The Danville Dans in Danville, Illinois. That's normally the line of east going west nowadays. Alton is west central Illinois, and there's southwest of Springfield, Illinois. Yes, there's two Springfields in the Prospect League. Also have Cape uh, Garreau in Missouri. I was about to say Mississippi for a minute. That's a little bit of a stretch. You have the O'Fallon Hoots. They take the place of the River City Rascals in the Frontier League. Quincy Gems in the West Central Illinois. And that's your lot. That's your few teams. The West is more bunched. More, Most of the teams are in Illinois. And there's two in Iowa, Missouri. Excuse me, Iowa. There's two in Missouri. So bit closer together whereas the east is more spaced out it's going to be johnstown pennsylvania all the way to danville illinois so some long road trips ahead but at the same time now remember there's jamestown new york for a season or two so imagine that trip out for danville illinois to jamestown new york i mean yeah you got highways and everything but still so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing 2021 hopefully we have baseball and that will do it. That is episode 179 of the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. You might notice that, yeah, I didn't have a live stream talking about the football scores last week. Well, it was about 1130 when I got home, and it was super, super hot out. And I just, I didn't feel like dealing with that. So I'm hoping tomorrow after my game, whether it's still at Princeton or At home, I'll have a live stream and go over all the final scores of Cincinnati Dayton football at least so it stays fresh. And if I do have to wait until Thursday or Friday for episode 180, you know, I don't feel like you know I'm just adding information that's super, you know, not helpful or something like that. So, definitely, it's always a pleasure to talk local Sunday sports with you all. You can catch me on ESP Media tomorrow, Friday the 4th at 7. It'll be Sycamore at Princeton. And looking forward to talking more local Cincinnati nine Dayton, Ohio sports with you. This has been Episode 179. We'll talk to you again for Episode 180. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure and bookmark Sindaypod.com, the official website of the local Cinday Sports Podcast. From there, you can find your favorite way of listening to future episodes on platforms such as Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Pandora, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and more.